podcast with your producer, Seattle Who. Hello and welcome to Who's Place Audio. This is Season 3, Episode 10 of the WhoCast. I'm your host, Val Prohaska, and I'm, as always, I'm joined by Who's Place founder, Seattle Who. We're recording this on Sunday the 6th, which puts us six days away from Virginia Tech. Here to help us preview the Commonwealth Cup game is Evan Hughes of Tech Sideline. He's reprising his guest turn from last season, and we are happy to have him. Welcome to the Newcast, Evan. Thank you guys so much for having me. Had a great time last year and looking forward to previewing the Commonwealth Cup again. Yeah, I think you were on a couple times last year, right? Didn't we uh, talk football once and talk hoops? Or was it just I, hoops? I think that's right. Yeah. So I'm sure we'll get to okay, talk. Okay, then he was again. on twice last year. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, well, very fine. thankful to be uh, happy holidays to you guys, and uh, yeah, a little bit of a later date for Virginia Tech and UVA this year, but uh, you know, glad the game's going to get in, and um, you know, it'll certainly be a different uh, different game with nobody in the stands. But uh, you know, I, I think it has the ability to be a good game. So, well, you know, during this pandemic, we're just happy to have uh, games being played at all. So, you know, <laughs> because for those who may not know, although anybody who's listening to this surely knew that we were supposed to play tech much, much earlier in the season and start out, you know, start off the season as it were. And here we are playing just as uh, our final game of the year. I, I think everybody prefers it that way. Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's, you get so used to this game being played at the end of the season. That certainly would have been an interesting way, you know, to open the season, um, you know, with the, uh, with the cup on the line, but, I think it's fitting for this game to be played late, cold weather, you know, in the holiday season. So, um, but yeah, I, I, to your point, Val, I mean, gosh, I mean, you think back to March and April and sports are taken away and, you know, you, you come to appreciate every Saturday. You don't take it for granted. So, um, yeah, just, you know, re- feeling really thankful around this time of the year that we have sports going on right now. Yeah. So what's the situation with, uh, with Hooker? I, I, Together he got hurt. So Hooker exited the game um, on Saturday against Clemson, and the way that Coach Justin Fuente described it to the media afterwards is that um, he was having uh, a hard time getting warm on the sideline, and so uh, he 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 left the game. And you know there were a couple of shots of him on the sideline, and you could tell that something did not quite look right. And so they were saying that he was getting warmed afterwards. And so, um, you know, the, the that's one of the storylines heading into this game is, you know, if, if that's the case, you would think that he would be able to play. But, um, you know, Virginia Tech had three different quarterbacks play uh, against Clemson on Saturday. And Quincy Patterson has entered the transfer portal, who was the fourth. So um, – there's, there's, that's definitely a major storyline heading into this Virginia Tech UVA game is, is who is going to be under center mm-hmm. um, for Virginia Tech. That's really odd. He couldn't get warm. A- again, that was the that was what was that was what was said. It was a cold night in Blacksburg, mm-hmm. uh, and that was the information that was given to um, given to the media afterwards. And so, you know, I mean, again, that sounds he, like being he, sick. I, well, I don't want to, I don't want to speculate, right, right. but uh, you know that was that was the information that was given. And again, you could see him on the sideline. There was a shot that was given, and for a minute there, just after looking, you know, I think everybody 
I was watching and I thought, gosh, maybe something's, you know, like really wrong with him. You could just tell something didn't look right. And yeah, so, because, you know, I, I only know this because of somebody on Who Twitter said something about Hooker and that they were kind of freaked out of how he looked and, you know, said they hoped he was all right. This is from Andy Bitter, who covers uh, Virginia Tech uh, for The Athletic. And this was his tweet 21 hours ago as we record on Sunday night. He said that uh, – Fuente was told by the trainer that Hooker was cold. He doesn't know more than that right now, and that he didn't know what it meant moving forward. This is on Saturday. Now, Justin Fuente speaks with the media every Monday morning. So I would anticipate, um, for those that might be listening, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, that there's going to be some more information about him moving forward. But it, it sounds like that, you know, watching the game, personally myself, I was worried something was really wrong with him. And so it sounds like if this is the case, Thankfully, it sounds like he is okay, which okay. is which is great news. Yeah, yeah. Had he had he had he gotten into the game at all, or did he just well, he never started, play at he, all? He, he, no, he started the game, um, and then really one of the surprise parts of the game was Braxton Burmeister, who's a transfer quarterback from Oregon. He had to sit out last season. Um, he who started this season uh, for Virginia Tech. He started the opening game against North Carolina State and Duke because Hennon Hooker was not available yet. And then Hooker, who was Tech's starting quarterback for the majority of last season, took over in the North Carolina game and kind of resumed that spot as the starting quarterback. And then Burmeister gets inserted early against Clemson, has some success, gives Virginia Tech a much needed spark on offense that the Hokies have certainly been looking for the last couple of weeks um, during this losing skid. So you saw Burmeister and then when Hooker was not available and then uh, Burmeister left with an injury and then Quincy Patterson, who entered the transfer portal last week for Virginia Tech, the Hokies essentially were down to their fourth string quarterback, uh, Knox Keatum from, from Georgia. So, um, we've seen a lot of different quarterbacks under center for Virginia Tech this year. So, you know, even if Hooker, um, you know, who played a good – who still played a decent amount yesterday against Clemson, it was – you know, you just had a bunch of quarterbacks in there at different points. It's going to be interesting to see what does Justin Fuente and Brad Cornelson decide who is going to get the start against the Cavaliers on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Now, does Fuente usually go with one quarterback, or does he like to mix things up? He typically does go with one quarterback. Um, it, it now, at the beginning of the season, he said that Hendon Hooker was the starter, but Braxton Burmeister had earned the right uh, to get playing time. So when Hooker was not available the first two games of the year against North Carolina and Stuke, it was, it was a, a Braxton Burmeister for the most part against NC State, and Quincy Patterson came in and threw two touchdowns. The second game against Duke, was all Burmeister. Burmeister started against North Carolina, and then he struggled. They put Hooker in when he was ready uh, midway through that game, and then you know, he took over the role from there. We had not seen Braxton Burmeister in a game for Virginia Tech since the North Carolina game until last night against Clemson. Uh, Quincy Patterson is a, was a, is a big physical running back who they like to use in some goal line short yardage sets, but he had transferred. So um, you know, it's funny. Typically, yes, one quarterback, but the Hokies, due to different reasons this year, have kind of been forced to use a little bit. It's been primarily Hooker, but um, you've seen a, you've seen a little bit of Quincy Patterson at times. He's no longer here. Now you've seen a good amount of Braxton Burmeister. You know, it's funny. I mean, you you look at Virginia right now. 
I mean, you know, clearly Brennan Armstrong is their quarterback. We've seen a little bit of Thompson, a little bit of Lindell Stone. So it's interesting. Both the Cavaliers and the Hokies have used multiple quarterbacks at different points in games this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know, you know, right now it's Armstrong is the guy. I think most of that playing around with multiple quarterbacks was early when he wasn't ready and then he got hurt, you know, the, the concussion. And so they had to right. cover for him, but he's definitely taking a job now and they're, they're using uh, KTN Thompson as kind of a, just a playmaker, you know, put him in wherever they can to get him on what, the field. What a luxury to have for an, a luxury for Bronco Mendenhall too. I mean, just how gifted Thompson is. You can use him in different mm-hmm. spots. And so, no, that, and that's definitely the difference. While both teams have used different quarterbacks, um, you know, like you said, Armstrong's the guy, uh, and he's playing miraculous football right now. He's got all the confidence in the world going into this game on Saturday. But, um, you know, Virginia Tech, I mean, Hendon Hooker was 6-2 and two last year as a starter after taking over for um, Ryan Willis. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody was waiting for him to get healthy this year. When he got healthy, he was the guy. The Hokies had some success, and then they started on this losing streak. But, um you know, I it, and again, I would think that Hooker is still the starting quarterback on this team if healthy. Braxton Burmeister is a better runner than Hennon Hooker, but Hooker is a better passer. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, would I be surprised to see both of them get significant playing time on Saturday? No. Um, but that, you know, I, I think a little bit of it is, is a matchup too. I wonder if, you know, Justin Fuente has enough faith in, in Burmeister and wanted to throw a wrinkle at Clemson, so they put him in. And um, So, you know, there's different scenarios here. I will say the, that, that Fuente has a lot of confidence in both quarterbacks. So I wouldn't be surprised to see either get significant playing time on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And I guess Virginia's got a similar storyline with – Will he or won't he be able to play with Lavelle Davis, who um, got targeted and left, and so now we're not sure if he's going to be able to play next weekend or not. And I guess Monday we'll probably find out from Bronco, you know, more information on that situation. And then there, I guess there were yeah. six guys that couldn't play last week, this last game because of COVID-related stuff for UVA, and we'll have to see, you know, if if any of them are going to be back. Yeah, and that's a great point. And Virginia Tech, you know, just like every team across the country this week, have had players on that unavailable report. I mean, we just we just saw um, we've seen some players with injuries, like Jermaine Waller, who was supposed to be tandem alongside Caleb Farley as two of the best cornerbacks in the ACC. Well, Farley declares for the draft before the season. Waller's been banged up all year with a foot injury, so he's been consistently on that list. You've had COVID-related issues. And then he's had, you know, and then he would not be on that list, but Quincy Patterson left. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, are the teams at full strength on Saturday? I mean, Trey Turner, one of Virginia Tech's best receivers, I mean, dressed, but uh, didn't really play against Clemson on Saturday. I mean, that's a big, um, big time name to look out for. Christian Darisol, Virginia Tech's left tackle, the best offensive player, maybe the best football player Virginia Tech has is Christian Darisol projected first second round pick um he got rolled up late in the game yesterday against clemson so there are it's not just a quarterback for virginia tech you've got a key receiver you've got a key lineman uh, there are a couple of key positions and players to look out for for virginia tech that they need to have healthy on saturday well the injury list i mean it's, it's football so the injury list is is always going to be long i mean we've lost uh snowden you know for the year with a broken leg of course. and 
we've got our left tackle, whose name escapes me, who Rankin's left Meyer? against the... No, he was a guard. Yeah, he's... He, I think Rankin's okay. was playing guard, yeah. But he's gone, you know. So, I mean, we've got, you know, it, this is this is football. So, you know, the question always is, you know, you're right, who's going to be available? And, you know, that, that's the, the big challenge here. So yeah, how, you know, next man up mentality's had a different uh, kind of feeling to it in 2020 than any other year. Yeah. Yeah. So run us through the the Tech losing streak. I know they just lost to Clemson, so that kind of doesn't count. And what was before Clemson? Uh, before Clemson was Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, okay. Oh, Pitt blew them out too. And then what was before Pitt? Uh, Miami. And that was a close game? That was a one-point game, 25-24. Okay. And that was in Blacksburg? Correct. All right, and then before yeah. Miami was? It was Liberty. Oh, yeah, Liberty. Liberty. Yeah, I'm not, I, I'm not sure who I'd prefer to see lose that game. Well, it's Liberty well, for me, I think. Yeah, yeah probably <laughs> me too. I, <laughs> at, at least... At least Virginia Tech's a, a real school. Yeah. Well, yeah. You, you know, um, you know we, we could do it. We, we we could do a separate podcast about. I mean, Liberty is an FCS school in seventeen now in the top twenty-five. Three years into being an FBS program, yeah. you know, they're, they're the they're the they're the biggest school in the country if you count online students. So the mm-hmm. the money they have there, the resources. I mean, that's that's a program for Virginia Tech and Virginia to look out for. Yeah, you know, yeah. It, you know, it, it always makes me sick that that Richie McKay is, is down there because, like, he freeze fits. Um, Richie McKay, I, I don't know, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. And yeah, but but the Liberty that is where it all started, and, and, and for Virginia Tech, and they're a good know, football really, team. So you're yeah, not losing, and the, you're not losing the chumps there. It's not like. It's not like you got you know, blown out by Florida State, or you know. Sure, it, it, it was a, it was a good Liberty team, but you know, you, you look at this season in the perspective of Virginia Tech fans, right? Who were used to those consistent ten plus win seasons that we had seen from '04 to '11 in Blacksburg right. under Coach Frank Beamer, and you know, there was a lot of hope going into this season for Virginia Tech because you return. So you return your starting quarterback from last season. You return Trey Turner. You return a strong offensive line where everybody comes back. Holly Field on defense. Ashby. You're supposed to have Farley, which didn't end up happening. I mean, so there's a lot of hope going into this year, and it started off strong. You beat NC State. You beat Duke. Mm. You lose a game at North Carolina in which everybody is – you're starting a couple of walk-ons on defense because of COVID – um, you didn't have many starters or backups available. So, you know, uh, you get a pass there, you beat Boston College, but then you lose to Wake, you beat Louisville, and then the Liberty game was the tipping point because the Hokies had that game won. Alex Barbier trotted out for a – excuse me, they didn't have the game won, but they were up, and, and, and Barbier attempts a 59-yarder. Tech blocks the kick, runs it back for a touchdown. But Justin Fuente – had called a timeout as the play happened. So uh, it's fourth and seven, quick seven-yard pass for Malik Willis. They get the first down, they move it up to 51 yards, and Liberty hits the field goal to win. 
And you're right. That is a good Liberty team. But that game kind of snowballed. You lose right. a game you were up in the second half against Miami. And then against Pittsburgh, you lose 47-14. And, and, and nothing was going right for Virginia Tech in that game. They struggled offensively. They were settling for field goals early in the first half. So I, I think this is really, for Virginia Tech, I mean, it's been the tale of two seasons, right? The offense looked good early. Khalil Herbert was leading the nation in rushing yards halfway through the season for Virginia Tech, the transfer running back from Kansas. But um, this Virginia Tech team just um, offensively started to struggle a little bit, weren't putting up the big numbers we saw early in the season. That Liberty game was really the tipping point. And I will say against Clemson, the Hokies came out and had a strong game plan, I thought, against uh, the Tigers. They were only down 17-10 at half. They took a lot of time off the clock. Trevor Lawrence was not on the field that much, but, you know, the talent overpowered in the end. So mm-hmm. this is a big one. I mean, the Hokies are, in, uh, you know, are four and uh, four and six right now. They're going to suffer their, their first losing regular season since 1992. The Cup's on the line, and, and there's a lot of fans right now that are, um, you know, I think questioning – the future of the program. You know, our podcast over at Tech Sideline right now has in the last couple of weeks been really big because there's a lot of upset fans right mm-hmm. now. And so I, there's a lot going into this game, not just the cup, but there's a lot of other factors going into this game for Virginia Tech. There's a lot on the line. Yeah, I know. You know, a lot of people want to see Fuente um, replaced in Hokie Land. Now, obviously, Wahoo Nation, we all like Justin Fuente. We'd love to see him have a lifetime contract. <laughs> yeah, we would. He, uh, you know, and and again, I brought up Coach Beamer earlier because you know that you know fan base very, you know, that that, that was the expectation. Those were the gold standards. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think I think that there's been a lot of circumstances this year. First year defensive coordinator, new defensive staff. I think for any coach in America, I mean, whether you're Coastal Carolina and having a terrific year or your team that's winless right now. I mean, it has been incredibly challenging circumstances. It is a crazy year. To play it, this, to, it, to put it, this it football season together. And, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, it's, it, it's, it's interesting because even though all the circumstances, every fan base is, is really tough. And so um, I think that for, for Justin Fuente and Virginia Tech, a lot of good can be done for them to get the cup back. But, you know, there's a, it's also interesting time right now in the fan base because, you know, think about Lane Stadium, think about um, Enter Sandman, think about the big games that Virginia Tech has played in over the last 15 years. This was the first game I can ever remember that Virginia Tech fans were really kind of not looking forward to a game in which they were an underdog in um, with a lot on the line. I mean, think of you got the number three team in the country coming in and that, you know, you've got a lot of people who are really excited about basketball season right now. So the fan base is in a really, really interesting place right now. And I'm curious to see what it will look like after a win against UVA or what it would look like after a loss to UVA. At, you know, if the Hokies were to lose to UVA, they would finish their season with, with five consecutive losses, which is almost unheard of, you know, the last 15 years to lose five in a row to close a season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were we were noticing that that if Virginia were to win this game, that would be five wins in a row for Virginia, five losses in a row for Tech in the fifth year for both coaches. Absolutely, I mean, very very interesting, and 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 
I mean, what a dude, again, you think about these two teams, two completely different trajectories to start the season. I think Virginia Tech looked like the better team. I mean, this is a team that was putting up 30 plus points a game, running the ball well, mm-hmm. balanced on offense. And then the Liberty game, it, it's been a, a complete flip flop. I mean, it, you took a cap to Bronco Mendenhall, losing Snowden, losing a couple of pieces on defense, and, and you know, I'm just so creative offensively, getting so many different uh, players involved. Um, you know, it, it's uh, again, two teams on different trajectories. That would be my headline going into this game. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting. I mean, Virginia's obviously going to have to win it with their offense, or, or I guess Tech's offense has been kind of in shambles the way you, um, the way you present it because, uh, you know, Virginia's defense is pretty much down to its bare bones. Uh, you know, Snowden's out. Noah Taylor didn't play. We're down to one nose guard, and I think uh, no extra defensive linemen at all. It's between with the six guys that missed from the COVID-related stuff and the transfer and all that, that you know, the defense is just gutted for the second year in a row by the end of the season and well, giving up a lot of points. So it's it's up to the offense, which always well, makes well, it just gave up give up 520 yards through the air, you know? So, I mean, that's, I don't care who you are. That's a lot of ground to give up. That is a huge You know, even in the game that you win. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's just wild. Well, so well, that I mean, was, we got holes. Well, I think that honestly for, I think this has the, you know, last year's final score was 39 to 30. Mm-hmm. I actually think that, that it, this game will, I mean, it's going to come down to both teams offenses. I mean, Virginia tech defensively, um, you know, gave up 47 to Pitt. They gave up 45 to, uh, to Clemson, but it felt a little bit – they played better defensively, believe it or not, against Clemson in that first half especially than yeah. they did against Pittsburgh. And um, I, I think that it, even though Hooker um, – you've got a rotation of quarterbacks right now. I mean, Khalil Herbert is the X factor, though, for Virginia Tech. He's got the ability to go over 100 yards on the ground – Uh, just about every single game. I think that still, even though there's a little bit of question marks around this offense, who's going to be under center, what's it going to look like on Saturday, I still think that this is an offense that can put up, you know, 30-plus points to win. You mentioned it. I mean, you know, 520 passing yards yesterday for Boston College on Saturday against Virginia. The Hokies are a run-first team, pass second. Mm -hmm. Hooker's not the kind of quarterback who's going to go out there and throw over 500 yards well, you know, the Hokies run a, a smoke and mirrors type passing game. But I do think that the Hokies are going to be able to compete with UVA's defense. And I think that UVA's offense is going to have a lot of success against Virginia Tech's defense as well. To me, it comes down to which team's defense is going to be able to make enough plays to win the game. Mm-hmm. How's your defense been this year? I mean, the Hokies defense, again, so. You know, Caleb Farley is a projected – I was reading the Athletics uh, mock draft last week. He's the projected number four overall pick to the Dallas Cowboys. Um, he was supposed to be the, the shutdown corner for Virginia Tech and was really great last year, declared for the draft. And his counterpart, Jermaine Waller, has been uh, banged up all year. He's really only played one game. That was against North Carolina. So, you know, imagine Justin Hamilton, who was the safeties coach last year, played at Virginia Tech. You get the promotion to replace the great Bud Foster, and you're thinking that you're going to have Caleb Farley and Jermaine Waller with a, a senior in Divine Diablo at safety. 
Uh, Rayshard Ashby, an all-ACC preseason selection at middle linebacker, and a little bit of experience up front. And it's been a tough year for Tech's defense. No Waller, no, um, no Caleb Farley. Uh, Devin Hunter was arrested before the season started. He was supposed to start at safety. Uh, Ashby has not quite been the same player. They changed schemes from Foster to Hamilton. Mm-hmm. So the defense has had its moments, but there's a lot of youth in the secondary. Um, you know, the Hokies are getting bigger up front uh, under uh, Daryl Tapp and Bill Tierlink, the new co-defensive line coaches. Um, you know, the, you're going to be impressed by guys like Amari Barno, uh, even Dax Hollyfield's playing well as of late. But this is, um, again, I go back to last year's game. I think that Virginia Tech's defense at times was better last year overall than it is this year. And I think that, again, this game is going to be in the 30s right now. It's not your old-school lunch pail defense going to hold teams to 10, 17 points. They're going to be able to make plays just like UVA's defense, but I think the offenses will overall have their way against both teams' defenses. Yeah, you know, I would have said Virginia's run defense was was good for most of the year, and even the, the past defense has been shaky along, but now, it, you know, with the personnel issues, I don't, I don't even know how strong the run defense is anymore. Well, and, and, and for UVA, if, if the Cavaliers are able to, Shut down Virginia Tech's run game or contain it and not let it, um, not not let the Hokies kind of get going early with jet sweeps and running with Herbert. If they can contain it and force Hendon Hooker or Braxton Burmeister uh, to beat them through the air, I know we were just talking about how UVA's pass defense struggled last week, but I that's the key I think for UVA's defense mm-hmm. is to try and make Virginia Tech as one dimensional through the passing game as possible. Right, and I'm sure that'll be the strategy because then, you know, then you can at least just try to rush the passer, pin the ears back and rush the passer. And they did sack Boston College, I think, four times. I think I saw that, like three interceptions and four sacks and then like six tackles for a loss. So they yep, gave they up a lot up. of yards, but they made a lot of big plays. They they absolutely did. I mean, Grossell, four sacks, three interceptions for Boston College. Um, you know, I'm, I'm also curious to see it up front because one of the Hokies' strengths, one of the reasons why they've been able to run the ball so well has been because of their experienced offensive line. Darisaw, potential first-round pick at left tackle, strong right tackle at Luke Tenuta. They grade out by pro football focus as two of the best tackle tandems in the ACC. Um, the center, Brock Hoffman, had a couple of bad penalties yesterday. He's a transfer from Coastal Carolina. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see how creative Virginia, Virginia is on blitz packages, how the, the battle is won up front, uh, because that is one of Virginia Tech's strengths is Darisaw at left tackle, Tenuta at right tackle, mm-hmm. running between the tackles. That's really allowed Khalil Herbert to have such a big year on the ground for the Hokies. So it sounds like it's Khalil Herbert against Nick Jackson. Maybe that, that might be like the, the key matchup of the whole game. I think that I absolutely would be a big-time matchup. And, again, the Hokies do have pieces. I mean, James Mitchell is a, is a tight end who's returning punts right now for Virginia Tech. He's not your typical tight end. Uh-huh. You'll see him on some jet sweeps. You'll, I mean, there are pieces for this Virginia Tech offense right now. But you go to the Pittsburgh game, and that was a 47-14 loss. Then you have your bye week, and then the Clemson game, you, you don't have really any consistency at quarterback. Mitchell was hurt. He came back yesterday. Trey Turner's been banged up. So if this Hokies offense is healthy, 
it's a good offense. But right now, it's just a matter of, are they going to be at full strength? And even if they're not, the Hokies can still run the ball effectively. But I'm thinking in terms of for Virginia Tech, the pass to have that second element, they've got to get James Mitchell involved early, and they need Trey Turner to be healthy on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh... – I mean, this this is one of those where I, I I hate to rely on cliches, but it kind of is one where you throw out the record books and and all that. It's it's going to be an unpredictable game. Either Ab- team can absolutely. win, and, and I, really, either team could blow the other team off the field. I I I honestly don't. I um I would be surprised to see a blowout on Saturday. I really, would. I think that like going back to what you said. Um, this is a game where records don't matter, and especially more so than ever, right? I mean, you've got UVA who would love nothing more to defend that cup and make it two Mm -hmm. years in a row, and you've got Virginia Tech who would love nothing more to bring it back, and I bring back the fan base, right, and just how hungry this Tech fan base. Again, first, the Hokies went 6-7 and two years ago, but that was not a regular season losing record. They were 6-6 and going into the bowl game. Hokies are going to finish the regular season with a losing record for the first time since 1992. And there's a lot on the line trying to get that cup back. So I, I, I foresee this being a, a, a close game. I really would be surprised to see a blowout. I think there's going to be a lot of passion played in this game. Um, and, uh, again, uh, I, I, think la- I think we're going to see a repeat of last year in a game that was kind of back and forth in the second half. And when you get to the fourth quarter – you're thinking to yourself, wow, this is really anybody's ball game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was yeah, a crazy I don't game. See these defenses, I don't see these defenses as being good enough to shut one another down. So I think both teams are going to be in it. Um, no. I, I mean, I think I'm feeling pretty comfortable about it. I mean, we've scored, you know, last four weeks, we've put up 160 points, 169 points on the board. So we're averaging something like 42 points a game. Um and I don't see Tech's ability to shut us down. So we're going to score points, and we're going to score points in bunches. So no doubt, I don't think we're going to get blown out. So no, I I, I, I honestly don't see it being a blow. I really don't. I, I think, I mean, again, you go back to Halloween, Virginia Tech, Louisville. They gave up 35 points. Next week against Liberty, they gave up 38. They bounced back against Miami, holding them to 25, but in a loss, and then 47 to Pitt and 45 to Clemson. So, again, I, I think it's high scoring. I really do. I think that, I mean, Brennan Armstrong, which, by the way, highest graded quarterback last uh, this past week in college football, according to Pro Football Focus, a 93.7 grade for Armstrong. I mean, he's playing really well. One thing that I'm curious to see, guys, is last year, I think the story of the Tech EVA game is Virginia Tech could not slow down Bryce Perkins on the ground. Yes, he passed the ball well, and that was huge. But remember, early in that game, Bryce Perkins was running all over Virginia yeah. Tech. Well, and they, they contained him after that, after like the second run. They did, and then he started to hurt him through the air, and that's when he right. was really being able to do whatever he wanted. So here's what I'm curious about, though, because Armstrong is a great runner, as he has shown um, this year, leading the team in rushing for UVA with 529 rushing yards. Um, Virginia Tech this year had a stretch when they played uh, Malik Cunningham of Louisville, who's a, a dual threat. And then the following week, they played uh, Malik Willis of Liberty, who's a great runner. And then the week after, they played De'Aaron King. So the Hokies had a stretch this year where they saw three dynamic runners. And 
they struggled to contain Cunningham and Willis, but then by the third consecutive week, Derek King was not the spectacular. I mean, he made some plays, but he struggled to run the ball. He actually won mm-hmm. the game for Miami through the air. So I'm curious to see, do the Hokies roll out that same defense as they try to stop King, in which they held Miami to 25 points against UVA on Saturday? That's one of my big questions is, will Brennan Armstrong be able to have as much success on the ground like Bryce Perkins did last year against Virginia Tech? Mm-hmm. Well, I think he will. I mean, Armstrong's not going to gonna go for, you know, 80, whereas King, you know, Miami, I mean, he's scary. I mean, so, you know, he looks like he could go, you know, the house anytime. And Armstrong's not going to do that. I mean, he had, you know, against Boston College, I think his longest run of the day was like 16 yards. 60. What he does is he he, he had a 60 yard touchdown run. Did he? No, that's yeah. right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he took it to the house. Didn't correct it. Okay. But, yeah. And, and Thompson, well, okay, Thompson. Okay, you said that one out. Okay. Yards. <laughs> he, yeah. Okay. Well, I, I, he uh, he definitely won't. I, I agree with the Armstrong. I feel like he's more of a of a. Is it fair to say he's more of a of a chunk runner? Like he's not going to like King is a dynamic. If he gets down the open space, watch out. Right. Um, but Armstrong does such a great job though of, of being mobile, and I think he's shown the flashes of being able to tuck it and run. There are different types of mobile quarterbacks, but I think you still prepare the same like you did against Cunningham, Willis, and King. Like oh, yeah. you do Armstrong, if you, if you forget about him, he'll make you pay. Yeah, and I think whether or not Lavelle Davis is available is going to make make a big difference on on how Tech has to think about defending Virginia because you don't want I I, I don't think you want to put a cornerback on an island with that kid. Yep. No, I and in in Virginia Tech corners. The corners for Virginia Tech has been one of the weaker parts of the mm-hmm. of the secondary. A lot of young players who, again, I go back to, you know, you're thinking you're going to have Farley and Waller, and you've got guys like Dorian Strong as a true freshman. Oh, uh, hey, we know, we know all about it, man. We thought, you know, last year we thought we had Bryce Hall and uh, who was the guy on the other side? We were supposed to have great cornerbacks and want them having neither of them by the end of the year. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. It, but so so now my point just being though that you've got a you've got players from Virginia Tech in the, in the corner spots that are young might not be playing if you had other spots so that I think that's an area for Armstrong and UVA to uh, to attack early um, mm. are those second are the cornerbacks of Virginia Tech take a couple of shots early in the game and see if you can get the passing game established early against the Hokies. All right, and then I guess. Virginia Tech is out of the bowl picture, so, and I guess the bowl picture is a whole a mess right now. And I, not even sure there's going to be a bowl season. Seems like a lot of the bowls are dropping out. You saw the pinstripe yeah. bowl uh, a couple of weeks ago announced they're not going to do it. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, guys, what what the, the like you said. I mean, the slate of bowls. What it what's it going to look like? It's going to be interesting. Yeah, because I think I heard the ACC's already lost like two of their. Their bowl tie-ins. Two of them, two of the tie-ins, yeah. So I yeah. think there's like eight or nine that have that have canceled. And you have to wonder, I mean, what cities are going to want to have a bowl? What's the point of having a bowl if there's no right. fans and no people coming? You know, mm-hmm. so you've just right. got 
teams and the camera crew, you know? So, uh, I think that's the, that's the excitement is your, you know, your fan base getting out, getting one more game. So. Absolutely. And and think about too, you know, the bowls in different States. I mean, uh, every state's got different restrictions right now. How many Mm -hmm. can uh, be in a stadium at once? Can there be anyone in a stadium? Um, You think about the state of California compared to the state of, you know, Florida, I mean, different restrictions right now. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, um, and you got all that going on in the middle of college basketball right now, trying to get their season underway. And, you know, so there's a lot of moving parts. And so I, I, I think, um, you know, like I said earlier, you take every week of college sports you can and sports in general for that matter for granted, because, um, you know, we remember what it was like when it was all shut down. And so um, it certainly won't be the same. And I personally can't wait to get back to 2021 when I can go 500 in my bull pick league next year. So switching gears a little bit, who does Tech play in basketball this week? The Hokies uh, play Penn State on Tuesday in okay. the ACC 10 Challenge. That's their only game this coming week. All right. So assuming – that the basketball team beats Penn State, which may not be a safe assumption. I know Penn State's been pretty good the last couple of years. I don't know what they have this year. And assuming that Virginia wins the football game on Saturday, I guess by next Sunday, Virginia Tech's going to be a basketball school. Well, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of excitement around Virginia Tech basketball right now. I mean, they're, they're ranked for the first time uh, since the final poll came out at the end of March Madness in 2019 when the Hokies lost to Duke um, in the Sweet 16. And so, you know, Mike Young has done a stellar job of rebuilding as quickly as he's done. I mean, he got the job after Buzz left and basically the majority of players had graduated or entered the transfer portal and, you know, last year he was able to keep Wabisa Beatty and, and he's got, done a remarkable job of getting a bunch of grad transfers in this year. And, you know, you go beat Villanova, who I, I think arguably is the best team in the country right now, even despite the loss. I think, honestly, Villanova and Virginia, that could be your national championship game. Um, you beat them and you're undefeated. I mean, this is a hokey team that last year all they could do was really shoot threes. There was no – I mean, you had P.J. Horn, a six foot six, really stretched four playing center. Mm-hmm. And now you've got Kevin Aluma, you've got Cordell Pencil, you've got inside – Hokies are very good about going inside out early. Yes, it's early in the year. So um, UVA's ranked 15th, Virginia Tech's ranked 16th, and Richmond's ranked 19th. So a good start for teams in the Commonwealth early. And so I, I look forward to the Tech-UVA basketball matchups. You know, I, I think um, – I'm, I'm curious to see how they play out this year. And they're, they're both early because I know we play the first time on – January 2nd, and then my recollection from looking at the schedule a couple of days ago is that the second game is pretty early in the season, too. Let's see. I'm uh, scrolling through right now. The Hokies play Virginia the first game of January, or the first game in 2021, January 2nd in Charlottesville. Um, and then January, January 30th, yeah, or 29th or 30th. Yeah, it's, um, you know, I, I – Again, I mean, I, so both games in January, which tells me the ACC didn't expect Tech to be all that good this year. Well, you know, they were preseason picked to finish 11th, and mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I just I, I think a lot of people didn't think Mike Young would have 
this team, again, it's early, right? But, I mean, the Hokies went head-to-toe with, with Villanova in an overtime game. And, you know, it was it was really impressive to see because Villanova's got a lot of great players. Um, and that was a game that was thrown together 48 hours before mm-hmm. it was played. Um, so I, I, I really do think that this is a tech team that can make the NCAA tournament um, because of their ability to – uh, to feed the low post, which they didn't have last year, and all of right. their post players step out and shoot. I mean, Mike Young is a three-point shooting-minded. You know, that's the kind of offense that they run. Um, so, you know, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I, I, I honestly think Virginia Tech is better than 11th in the ACC. No, they look like it so far. And I, I do think I like Mike Young as a coach. I like what I saw them do last year, and I, I thought he coached uh, very good games against Virginia both times and kind of got a little unfortunate. I, I thought he did a fantastic job in the game down at Tech in, at halftime and getting that team to to believe that they were still in the game because, you know, they were down big, and they they came out, and they they had a plan. And they executed very well. They hit a couple of shots, and they got their confidence up, and you know, just really, you know, took that game. And for you know, for a while, of course, the end it turned out differently. But um, well, think, uh, it, it, I'm sorry. I think losing Landers Nolly was you know an, an addition by subtraction sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he ever really fit. And no, some guys have their own know, agenda. They do, and he just—he definitely had his own agenda. One of those own agenda sort of people. So sometimes mm-hmm. you just kind of let some people go, and mm-hmm. you know you'll be better off without it. And I think they're better off without him. Certainly, I mean, if you can play Villanova, I don't care whether you win or you lose necessarily. But if you hang with Villanova, that was a that was a great sign, you know. Given that you know it was a fill-in game, and winning was was stunning. I mean, it's hats off to hats off to you guys for that. Mm-hmm. Well, it, you know, and then they, I, I think you hit the nail on the head about Landers Nolly, and I think everybody in Blacksburg will will quickly point to the fact that he is an incredible talent, and he was ruled ineligible the, by the NCAA the final year of Buzz Williams' tenure, and mm-hmm. I think that was one of the everybody initially when that happened, guys was I mean just ecstatic that Mike Young was able to come in and convince him to come out of the transfer portal because everybody knew how talented he was supposed to be. And I, I think he's going to have incredible success under Penny Hardaway at Memphis. But I think the move <laughs> that everyone's looking back at now and saying this was the most important thing he did was he also convinced Wabisa Beattie to come out of the portal. And mm-hmm. Wabisa Beattie was the young guard on that Sweet 16 team for Tech two years ago. And if you guys go look at a box score, the average fan that unlocks the game is going to say, wow, this guy only averaged four or six points per game. What does he do? He is the floor general who is the extension of Mike Young on that floor. He is the leader of the team. He fits Mike Young's system. And um, that was one of the most important things. And, and, and you know, also to Landers Nally, I don't know if he quite fit, fits Mike Young's system. You know, he's got a bunch of guys who can go out and shoot the three ball. Nobody has to be the guy when they're on the floor to score. It's kind of a more um, – Everybody contribute on offense, and if it's your shot, it's your shot. You take it, you make it. Um, so 
I don't know if it was the right fit, but you, you tip your cap to him because Landers not only didn't have a good year last year, but I think in terms of fit, in terms of the way Mike Young wants to run his offense, I think it was in the best interest of both parties to part ways, and I think both will uh, benefit from it moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think Penny's probably a little bit more Nolly style. Yeah, and, 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 you know, not only someone who wants to go profession- play professionally one day and Penny Hardaway, I mean, you know, it's hard to find a better coach who's going to get you ready for the NBA than Penny Hardaway. So, <laughs> yeah. um, uh, uh, you know, they all want to play in the NBA someday. Some guys are smart enough to figure out that uh, there's more than one way to do that. And, you know, let me go someplace where I'm going to showcase myself isn't necessarily the best way to do that. So, and... You know, Nolly was definitely a guy. He wanted his shots, and he wanted. Uh, well, anyway, but I we we agree with you, and we had a little bit of this discussion last week, you know, because we had Ken Pomeroy on last week, and that was right after the Villanova win, so you know, we let him uh, enjoy that that win somewhat, and so this kind of came up a little bit then. But you know, we have the ACC Big Ten Challenge now, and the way Virginia's schedule is going on. We're, you know, we lost the William & Mary game and we just lost the Wake Forest game. So now Virginia's going to go straight from Michigan State to Villanova. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, watch Virginia against Villanova, see if we can do what you guys did and have a Virginia sweep of Villanova this year. And then, uh, you know, who knows? You know, Virginia Tech could be the very next game. We, we are scheduled to play Notre Dame, but, you know, who knows? There. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of worried about a 10 day layoff between you know Michigan State and and Villanova. I mean, that's just especially if Villanova's playing, you know, is able to get games in. I don't like sitting for 10 days. Yeah, so. I, I think we'll get a game in because you know, look, the Wake Forest, we we lost that game on game day. Like Tony, he was asked about it after the Kent State game. He didn't even know. <laughs> and, you know, yeah, he didn't even know. He's like, you know, he's, he's going to talk to this guy who takes care of scheduling. So, because the like the Wake Forest game is officially it's postponed because as a conference game, they're going to look to get that game played. The Wake William and Mary game is probably dead. Yeah. So we have an opening there, but you know, having a ten day layoff, it it, it can kind of cut both ways. Um, you know, especially when Tony may not even be sure what kind of offense he wants to run. Michigan State's liable to show us some things about the team that, you know, he might, it might be really good for him to have those days to, you know, to work on the things that we learned from the Michigan State game to be ready for, to come out for and play another top ranked team. Cause we haven't played anybody so far. We, we were supposed to play Florida. That was going to be the big early, you know, the big early game. And then we have Michigan State and we have Villanova. We've got this great non-conference schedule and, you know, and then Florida has, COVID issues, and so we wind up playing San Francisco and uh, losing to them. San Francisco instead. Made it even worse, you know. Yeah. So. Well, I I love the fact that UVA is playing such a tough non-conference slate, and I I uh, <laughs> I you know I I think for college basketball fans, it's great to see these top teams go up against each other early in the year. But I I think college basketball compared to to about any other sport, I mean. I feel like Tony Bennett, John Calipari, and all these great coaches, Tom Izzo, they want to play the best 
early in the season. You know, that's the beauty of college basketball is you've got months to, you know, to figure it out before you really need to turn it on in, you know, late January and February before March Madness and then start tournament. So, you know, I, I tip my cap to Tony Bennett for, for wanting to go, you know, play as many of those teams as possible. I think it does a lot of good in the long run playing tough teams early in the season. You find oh, absolutely. that absolutely. And it's, it's, you know, it's good for fans too. So, I mean, we all want to see, you know, Michigan State and Villanova, and we don't really care necessarily about San Francisco and Towson. I mean, last year, you know, we struggled through, you know, playing Vermont and Maine, and, you know, those were not fun games to watch. There was no reason to watch them other than you happen to be a Virginia fan. But I can't imagine somebody who wasn't a Virginia or Maine fan tuning into Virginia, Maine. Whereas, you know, Virginia goes up against Villanova, that's going to get a lot of eyeballs. That's, you know, mm-hmm. that's a game that fans want to see. And more than any other season, you know, we're still all starved for sports, you know, and every single game's coming with an asterisk. I mean, for crying out loud, you know, the the Steelers and the Ravens played on a Thursday at 3.40 in the afternoon, you know. I mean, it's everything is completely in flux, so. I'm pretty sure every coach would say this is going to be the worst year ever, you know, the hardest, most challenging year ever, you know, so. And you know what the best part about that was uh, they got moved to 345 because NBC did not want to bump the lighting of the Christmas tree in Rockefeller Plaza. So interesting. So that was it. I I, I didn't know what the story was behind it. Okay. Maybe just because they knew that, you know, the Christmas tree was a solid and, you know, that football game could have been canceled at any particular time. Yeah. Christmas tree wasn't going to catch COVID. So. Yeah. (laughs) So beyond um, just thinking that, you know, Virginia Tech could make it into the NCAAs. You got any other predictions for your foot, for your basketball team, Evan? You know that in, in you know NCAA tournament. I say that again. You know, really Villanova. It's a small sample size, right? And you know Virginia Tech. But the one thing I will say, the reason you know Virginia Tech beat Michigan State last year, right? And it felt like an upset, like a game that it was, was an upset. Of, it was. Or I'm sorry, I, I, but an upset, I mean, like a true upset, like holy cow, did they really just do that? You know, like this. Like Tom already said it, it was, felt like a fluke. It, it, a little bit, yes. It, thank you. That was that was what I was trying. It, it felt a little fluky, right? Landers not only hit an incredible shot, and not, not trying to take anything of credit away from that game. But, you know, the, the Hokies played Dayton next and got crushed by Obi Toppin. And, you know, they played one really good game when there was not a lot of tape on what Mike Young was running yet at Virginia right. Tech. And, um, you know, that – but the Villanova game, it just – it feels feels a little bit different. You know, come back down double digits. You've got size inside um, that can score and that can also step out and shoot. It just – all last year, Mike Young – was unable to fully implement his offense that made him so successful at Wofford because he didn't have a big man yet who could step out and shoot. So, you know, in terms of predictions for the rest of the year, I mean, I feel like he's got his roster now. So you're going to see Virginia Tech competing against top-tier teams in the ACC. Now, are they a top five, top six? I don't know. I think that this is a Tech team that ceiling-wise, guys, is probably fifth or sixth six in the ACC. I think that's about their ceiling. And I think the low is at 10. So I think Virginia Tech is mm-hmm. somewhere in there. Um, 
you know, I, I think NCAA, and, and if you're finishing fifth, sixth, or seventh in the ACC, if it's a normal 68 team field, that should be good enough to get you an at large bid to the Usually. NCAA tournament. Um, so, you know, I, I think, uh, I mean, besides that, uh, I think that, gosh, Tech can, I think Tech will compete in the ACC. I think that they will have an upset win against a, North Carolina or a Duke or a Florida State, they're gonna they're gonna really play well. Uh, I, you know, I, you know, you know, it's funny guys about Buzz Williams. I think for his, except for his last year, the three years prior, Virginia Tech and Virginia split their two games mm-hmm. until the final year. UVA got them both times. I think the Hokies can beat UVA once. Now I will say the only UVA game I've really gotten to watch this year is San Francisco, and I know that that was not a fair. Uh, I need to see a lot more because I think UVA, from what I've been reading, is a team that can re- very well defend their national title crown. Yeah. Uh, I, how about that? I I'll, think I'll I think to- we've seen four Virginia games. Like Val and I have both seen four Virginia games, and and I say that the San Francisco game was a very fair representation of what Virginia is now. And if Virginia is still that on January second. I would not be at all surprised to see Virginia Tech come out of the JPJ with a win. Now, if Virginia gets closer to what they're supposed to be and what we think they will be later in the year, then that's a different story. Like, Virginia is very much a team in flux. Val, to finally get around your question, I kept thinking about it. My prediction will be this. I think Virginia Tech will be unbeaten going into January 2nd's game against Virginia. Okay, that's a good prediction. I like it. So other other than Penn State, who do you guys play between now and January 2nd? So the Hokies, their schedule, uh, they will play. So, again, ACC Big Ten Challenge, Penn State this coming Tuesday. And then they play Clemson that opened their ACC slate uh, the Tuesday, December 15th in Castle. Where's that? In, in Castle, okay. Good then they game. play Coppin, Coppin State in Blacksburg. Then Miami, uh, then Longwood on December 21st in Blacksburg. And then they play Miami December 29th in Blacksburg at Castle and then UVA. So, again, it's Penn State, Clemson, Coppin Miami. State, Longwood, and Miami all at home before going to JPJ January 2nd. Well, that's – that's a pretty nice setup because, I like again, I don't know how good Penn State is this year, um, but I know, do you know that Clemson, that is a pretty strong team this year, and I know that Miami. Some you know some people think they're going to be pretty good. They have good guards. Their their inside game really kind of got devastated when Sam Wardenberg got hurt, but. So you're gonna well, you've but, got three yeah if you guys are undefeated coming into the Virginia game that's that's gonna be a good accomplishment. Well yeah because you know Clemson and Miami occupy that same fifth to tenth range that mm-hmm. you said mm-hmm. you know that floor to ceiling range so those are the guys that are going to be determining those are the games that are determining whether you're fifth or seventh or ninth you've got to win those games so that'll be a really good test for you. It's a small sample size, and so again, you sure. know, one Bill, you know, again, Hokies 
really struggled against BMI too. I think they only made three threes. I mean, they really struggled and we saw what it looks like when they don't make shots. Um, Mm -hmm. But they also played well enough inside, which was nice to see to win against the BMI team. That's scrappy at times. And so I, I, you know, again, Clemson is better than they were last year. And I I think the game that's going to be the toughest is Miami. I think Jim Laranega, um, you know, I think one of the more underrated coaches in the ACC, it'll be tough. I, I think maybe realistic. I was trying to give you guys a bold prediction, something good for the listeners. I think realistic. No, I like that. I like that. Realistic, I think the Hokies probably – I could see them coming in with one loss. If I was betting, I mean, that's probably the safe bet. But I also see a path where if Tech can shoot uh, well, like, you know, they're capable of making 10 plus threes a game and they can play well enough inside, I I think there's a realistic chance that the Hokies are also – could also see a path where they're undefeated going into Charlottesville, which would be great for the Commonwealth, by the way. It would. I think that would be just great to see two really good teams, uh, you know, going up against each other early January. Um, So I I love when the Commonwealth is playing good basketball. I mean, even Richmond unbeaten right now, beating Kentucky. I mean, if VCU can get it together, you know, I mean, there's good basketball in the state of Virginia, of course, headlined by UVA. Well, you'll be happy to know that the um, Ken Palm predictions for Virginia Tech have them being undefeated coming in. They've got by six over Penn State, by a deuce over Clemson, and by four over Miami. So, and right now, Tech is number twenty-six in Ken Palm's ranking system. It's uh, but that's the beauty of uh, why you play out the games, right? I mean, college sports. <laughs> yeah. I mean. I- you know, it's uh, you got to take Longwood seriously as a team in Virginia coming in. I mean, you just never know. So, um, but I think that if there's one thing about Mike Young. That dude is a motivator, and he keeps his guys sharp. Um, so, we'll see what happens. Uh, I, I I think one thing to think about this uh, this rivalry moving forward on the hardwood. I think for quite some time, uh, it's going to be Tony Bennett against Mike Young. I think that those are just two individuals who really embody and fit the culture of each school very well that know the community that um you know just are, are, are is mike great young rest- an alum mike young is not an alum however he grew up in radford first basketball okay. game he, ever saw. he always likes to talk about his first basketball game he ever saw live was in castle so okay. he grew up going to virginia tech games and he's from southwest virginia he went to emory and henry college which is a division right. about to be division two school in Southwest Virginia. So um, he's got a lot of ties to the area. Right. Oh, that's no, that's, that's so, perfect. Yeah. I mean, I, Cause I remember, I think last year reading or hearing that the Virginia tech job was kind of a coming home thing for him. And so for him, it, it, it seems like, it, you know, you always knew with Buzz Williams that Virginia tech was not a destination for him. It was a way station and uh, you know, Seth Greenberg, Maybe kind of the same, but for Mike Young, it feels like like a destination, like a place he wants to finish out his career. Yeah, you know that's something I think that he he I don't know if he exactly said this, but I think he's alluded to that it was a dream job. Think about it. Right. He, he head coach at Wofford for so long, and that's a place that the court might be named after him at one point in time. He loved it there, highly mm-hmm. successful, and it was going to take a job like Virginia Tech to, to draw him away. And I think. You know, right now, I was talking earlier, guys, about the fan base right now for Virginia Tech football and how, you know, I think there's a lot of Hokie fans who are, you know, 
quite frankly, kind of upset. You know, they want to see the Gene Tech football back to where it used to be. But, you know, there have been people on Twitter who call Mike Young Beamer in sneakers because mm-hmm. he is so similar personality-wise to Coach Frank Beamer. And, again, you know, Coach Beamer was an alum of Virginia Tech. He's from Fancy Gap, Virginia. So I think for Tech fans, it, they've really enjoyed getting behind Mike Young because he just fits Virginia Tech. I mean, uh, and that's not to say Justin Fuente does it, but I think that this fan base really appreciated what Frank Beamer did as somebody who's from the area. And so they feel like they have one of their own, so to speak, coaching the basketball team. Mm-hmm. All right. well, well, you know, that's, that's important. You know, everybody's got to be in their, in their wheelhouse, you know, so that's, that's a great observation and a great thought for you. So glad you found them. All right, so before we go, wasn't going to be around for long. Yeah, before we go, let's put everybody on the spot. I want predictions for Saturday's game. And um, Evan, with you being a guest, do you want to go first, last, or do you want to be in the middle? Hmm. You know what? I would love to go last. I'd love to hear both of your thoughts, and um, I'd I'd love to hear. All right, that's great. Yeah, so Evan, you're going to go last, and so Val, go ahead. Okay, well, as, you know, loyal listeners know, I hate predictions. I just do postmortems. But um, I'm going to pick the same scoreline as us against BC. Virginia 43, Tech 32. Okay. Um, I'm I'm also going to go with Virginia, but I'm going to say it's going to be Virginia 28, Tech 13. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think Virginia Tech, regardless of who's going to be out there, they're going to find a way to move the football. Uh, I think like we talked about, I mean, both teams' defenses, not the strength. I mean, both offenses are the strength. I'm going 38-34 Virginia. I think that Hokies will figure it out offensively. I think they'll be able to compete. But I think UVA finds a way. to get. There's just two – again, one team trending upwards – and you've got one team struggling to put it together right now. And I'm roll, I'm going to go with the hot hand, even though I really do believe, like we talked about, it's a rivalry game. Everything's thrown out the window. Nothing would surprise me when the Commonwealth Cup is on the line. Mm-hmm. See, I, I'm going I'm going against the grain on the, the score line because I think what I'm saying is that Virginia is going to shut down Tech's running game, and it's going to and Tech's going to have to go to the air. And so they're going to struggle, and they're going to have some turnovers. But Tech's defense is going to be so hyped up, they're going to force a couple of turnovers. So Virginia is going to have some of those drives where you get down there, and and then you just you cough it up in the end. And so, so we we might have the drives to, to put up 45 points, but we're not actually going to put up the 45 points because that Tech defense is going to force some turnovers because of the emotion. So that that's where I get my score prediction from. It's going to be kind of a wacky, lot of turnovers game. There's no doubt emotion will be a huge factor for the game on Saturday. No question about that. Yep. All right. Well, All right, you know, well, those, uh, those predictions are etched in sound. So, uh, <laughs> you know, you'll have a chance to come back and find out who was right. Although I, I like the unanimity of, of all of us picking Virginia, so. We'll, uh, we'll we'll go with that and close with that. Any last words, Seattle? I just want to say thank you, Evan, for coming on. It, it was fun again. I'm sure we'll we'll get you during basketball season 
to keep working on this Virginia Virginia Tech basketball rivalry. The way I like it, the way I like the rivalry, I don't really go for all the the vitriol and the, the all that garbage that I like when it can be friendly and and all that. So well, I, you know, I actually, really... I, actually, let me let me just say this real quick. You know, I'm over here on the eastern shore of Maryland. I am surrounded. I know way more Virginia Tech fans than Virginia fans. The only other Virginia alum that I know here on the eastern shore went to you know med school at Virginia, which doesn't mm-hmm. count because it's your undergrad school. Right. I think that you know develops your heartstrings. So I must know ten, twelve Virginia Tech alums over here. Not one of them, not one of them had anything but nice, positive, supportive words to say after the UMBC debacle. You know, they were all supportive. They just said, you know, that really sucks and that's awful and we feel sorry for you. You know, they were all completely courteous, kind, respectful. So, you know, I'm always going to be that way. You know, my my father-in-law went to tech, my best friend's daughter is going to tech right now. You know, my two best friends from high school went to tech. I don't have time to hate tech either. So, you know, it's, uh, we're glad to have you, Evan. I appreciate that. And I think, you know, as, um, I, I honestly, I I think that this rivalry is better when both teams are in great places. I think you said Mm -hmm. earlier, Val, I mean, great places, meaning when they're peaking at the right time. And I mean, wouldn't we rather see two top 10 teams playing each other than, one team not going to a bowl and <laughs> yeah. one team five, you know? So, uh, you know, I'll be honest, like, you know, as somebody who grew up a Virginia Tech fan but has learned to take that Virginia Tech fan hat off and really try and be a media person, um, but I always knew growing up that, you know, like, sure, is UVI a rival? Yes. Do I want to beat them? Yes. But when it comes to, um, you know, when they're playing other teams, I don't understand why both teams – I mean, I get it. It's your rival. I understand. But you also – I always pull for the better matchup and um, you know, and I have nothing but respect too. I mean, I, I, a lot of great people at UV. I'll, I'll tell you guys this. I mean, one of my, um, I went to high school with Eli Handback and yeah. I've known him uh, for a long time. And Eli is a terrific, terrific human being. And what a great story Eli was as a two-star recruit to, you know, mm-hmm. recovering the final touchdown that gave you guys the cut back. Uh, one of my best friends, is Hayden Mitchell, who's one of your receivers, who's caught a couple passes on the year. And so just I, I think that the beauty of this rivalry is that it's intense, but there's a lot of great people on both sides. And, yeah, there's going to be your fans who want the other to lose very badly. But I think for the most part, it's a really good rivalry with good people. You know, I, I think it's the best way to sum it up. Yep. All right. Yeah, we can't yeah, get any better. So we'll end there. So yep. that's good close. So. All right, thank, thank you, Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Thank Evan, and uh, thank you, Seattle. Wahoo-wah. Wow.